0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Carl Morrison, a certified paralegal devoted to law and your host of the Paralegal Voice. I'm a certified paralegal and paralegal educator, and I'm devoted to not only the paralegal profession but to all legal professionals, from legal support professionals to paralegals to those whom we support, attorneys. I'm devoted to helping others enhance their passion and dedication for the paralegal profession, through entertaining and engaging interviews. Before we begin, we would like to thank our sponsor, NALA. NALA, the Paralegal Association, is a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and advancement of the paralegal profession and has been a sponsor of the Paralegal Voice since our very first show. And CourtFiling.net. Courtfiling.net is your solution for electronic filing in California, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas and provides a better e-filing experience so you can spend more time helping clients. Visit courtfiling.net to see how you can e-file court documents with ease. And also Thomson Reuters Firm Central, cloud-based legal practice management that streamlines your day and automates non-billable administrative tasks so you can accomplish more with less. And finally, ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, who embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with you leading trends significant developments, and resources you'll find helpful in your career and everyday job. My guests will be engaging and informational with a little bit of fun thrown in. And if you can believe it, it's already December of 2018. Uh, I don't know what happened to the year. Uh, You guys have probably asked yourself that very same question. The year has completely flown by. For me, it seemed like it was just May, um, and now it's December. But First, before we get into today's show, I really wanted to wish all my listeners the very best and happy holiday season. I want to also thank the American Bar Association, Journal Web 100, for naming the Paralegal Voice as one of the best law podcasts for 2018. When I received word that we had received uh, this particular award, uh, I was truly humbled by this, and to receive such an award, it Truly, just I was floored. So thank you to the ABA Journal, Web 100, for naming this particular podcast uh, one of your best law podcasts for 2018. So thank you so much. So today, our show, I really want to kind of do what I call a year in review, look back, talk about some newsworthy things that I came across. And, you know, I was thinking about the year And we really had some great shows this year. You know, I've had some guests, what I call experts on things from like trial consulting and trial consultants to limited license legal technicians and and that burgeoning area of our particular industry. We also spoke to those who shared their joys and heartache from transitioning from a law firm to working as a government paralegal. There were other experts that shared with us about leadership skills and their importance to being a successful paralegal, and really as, you know, the importance of having a good solid paralegal education. Uh, We even met with first-time attendees and seasoned paralegals about networking at paralegal conferences, and I even recorded this year, like I did last year, from a national paralegal conference, NALS, and uh, interviewed a couple of attendees from that. So, you know, this year, looking back, it's really been a busy year, but for me, it's been a very blessed and very joyful one. So I hope you have had the same year as you look back and reflect on the year. And since I've been doing some reflecting about our shows, I wanted to look at, like I said, some of the major newsworthy articles from 2018 that affect and have affected our industry and to look ahead to 2019 and really what is it going to bring I came across an article just recently uh, from, I believe it was the Legal Intelligence Intelligencer, can't even spit that out there, on law.com. And it was all about a paralegal's year in review and reflecting on uh, the past year and what I call kind of hitting the refresh button for the new year. And I thought it was a really good article, really liked it. And One of the discussion points from the article was talking about what went well for the year in that particular paralegal's work life. Well, it made me stop and kind of think about that. You know, we all work uh, in different areas within the legal industry. Some of you work in a law office. Some of us work in the courts. Some of us work in the corporate arena like myself. And, you know, no matter where you work, you have to think about and, and talk to And how did your employer acknowledge all that you did for them, and how it worked well. Some employers are good about acknowledging, some are not. Some bosses are good about, you know, throughout the year, you know, noting those particular successes. Some aren't. And, you know, but for you yourself, have you stopped and thought about and acknowledged yourself for, you know, what worked well? Um, Have you thought about the goals that you achieved for the year? Well, you know, if you haven't, you should take a moment and actually write down the goals that you set for yourself and identify what, what did you set for yourself for the year? List them out. And then, you know, when you go through them and start noticing uh, the goals that you've set and um, what you've actually achieved, you're going to really encourage yourself to set that bar just a little bit higher for the next year. I work for a boss that at the end of the year, asks each of his employees, and it's a small law department, and asks each one of us to write down all that we've accomplished for the year, but then also to write down the goals that we want to set for the next year. And when I was doing this particular task, at first it was a little challenging because I was going, okay, so I need to look at what were my goals from the year prior that I'd set for myself for 2018, and did I meet those goals? And if not, you know, how far did I come, how short did I come from actually meeting that goal? And why was I not able to reach that goal? And it was funny when I stopped and really looked at what I had accomplished for the year, I was kind of surprised. And actually things that I'd not set as a goal, um, successes that had happened. And it's like, wow, I've done quite a bit, not to, to toot my own horn, but when you stop and really take account of what you've accomplished for the year, you know, you're going to see how far you've come as a professional paralegal or legal support professional, and it'll make you stop and really take pride in your successes that you've done. It's it's amazing when you really stop and think about and see, and as the Christmas song says, count your blessings, you know, and see how far you've come. It, it's uh, it's amazing. If you do this exercise and you realize, well, I didn't have any accomplishments or any successes, and you just kind of meandered through the year, oh, I get up, go to work, be there at eight thirty, work all day, come home at five, feed the kids, go to bed, rinse and repeat. You know, if you if you do that, then maybe you need to stop and think. Well, maybe I need to set some goals for myself. Not that you're failing as a paralegal, but If you don't set a goal, even one goal, just set one goal for yourself for 2019 as a professional. If you don't do that, you'll never, I think and believe that you'll never grow as a professional and you won't see those successes because you're just getting up and doing, you know, that routine every day. Get up, go to work, come home. Get up, go to work, come home, you know. So challenge yourself, And, you know, some things to think about in the way of challenging yourself, and you're probably going to go, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) I don't want to challenge myself this much, Carl. Ask your boss for additional challenging work. I am the type of person that I don't like to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. I get bored, and I need to be challenged, and I need to be, you know, engaged. And if my employer is not giving that to me, and I can't find those those challenges myself, then maybe it's time for me to move on. But that's not what this show's about. This is about setting those goals for yourself and and reaching out and asking, hey, boss, I see that you're doing this other area of law, but you only have me doing, uh, lack of a better example, insurance defense. And I see that you're also doing transactional work. Well, I'd love to learn more about drafting contracts. All you need to do is step outside your box, step outside your comfort level, and ask your employer. Nine times out of ten, your employer will want you to do that. And we'll meet you head on with that particular challenge. Another idea, join a professional association. If you don't already belong to NALA or NALS or NFPA, join one of those associations. Join all of them if you want to. But take on a leadership role in one of those associations or even at your local level. You know, start a study group for a certification exam like the CP exam or the PP exam or the RP exam do one of those types of things. If you're not certified, attend CLE sessions just for the heck of it. Learn new areas, learn what's going on in the industry. You know, being stagnant is not healthy for a professional. And it's important for you to, you know, get outside your box, get outside your your comfort zone and challenge yourself to being a better professional, to be a better paralegal. Um, so, I challenge you. I'm going to give you a challenge as a listener. Set a goal. I want you to set at least one goal for 2019 in your career, what you want to do to better yourself, to make you a better paralegal in your firm, in your community, in the nation's community as a whole. And I tell you what, let me know what your goals are. Uh, send me an email at devoted to law. that's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two, L-A-W at gmail.com. And share with me your goals for 2019. I would love to hear them. And maybe I will share. I've already got a couple of goals that I'm setting for myself. And maybe I'll do the same with you guys in the January show and share with you my goals for 2019. And, you know, as you take account of your successes for the year that you've met head on, You should also stop and think about what didn't work this past year and where did you fail? Whoa, Carl said fail, the fail word. The term failure, of course, can have those negative connotations, but without stumbling and without failing every now and again, you'll never grow as a professional. You will always be at the level where you're at right now. Failure is an important part of growing, and that's how you reach your full potential, is to make mistakes and to fall. I, I, I'm tell you right now, I am not a perfect person by any means, and I have had my fair share of career mistakes that I have made. But I've stopped and I've thought about why did I fail with that particular situation or goal? What what was it, and why did I fail? And learn from that failure. And I saw what didn't work, and I go, okay. Well, if this is my goal, if this is what I want to achieve or be. Well, then, okay, it's time to retool. I will tell you one prime example of failing was when I sat for the professional paralegal certification exam through NALS. And one of the sections was, of course, on ethics. And I was more worried about having to study in all the other areas of substantive law that I didn't worry about ethics because I was like, eh, I know ethics. I don't need to worry about it. Well, what happened is I failed that section of the exam. And as such, I didn't pass the first time around. I had to take the, the certification exam. And I'm proud to, to say I failed, but I, re, I learned from it and recognized, oh, wait a minute. You can't short, sell yourself short. You got to study in all the parts, even if you think you don't know it or do know it. And so I then passed because I learned from that mistake. And so I've done that for this year as well. I've seen a couple of things where I have skated by and it's like, you know what? No, I got to gotta push myself a little bit harder and improve on my career as a paralegal. And so I'm excited for the new year. I'm excited for the goals that I've set for myself. And there's exciting things ahead and I look forward to it. You know, I was also reading in the news just recently, an article caught my eye about a paralegal. And I love seeing, and and a lot of uh, listeners and non-listeners share with me articles on LinkedIn or Facebook, and I belong to a whole bunch of different groups throughout social media. And apparently in this particular article, there was a top court in Ohio removed a paralegal's deposition in this Oak Hill, Ohio case. And the Ohio Supreme Court removed evidence or excuse me, removed from evidence the, the deposition of a paralegal in a public records dispute related to a criminal conspiracy case. And the court granted a request by the prosecutor that the deposition of the paralegal in this particular case be suppressed and also denied a request to compel the court reporter and the videographer to release a transcript and DVD of that particular paralegal deposition. What's interesting about this particular case, number one, was that the majority and dissenting justices offered no explanation for their opinions whatsoever. They just granted the request for that deposition to be suppressed and denied the motion to compel. And the testimony – what caught my eye also in this particular matter was the testimony that this particular paralegal created work-related documents, and they stored them outside of the office – used them on non-work-related or work-issued computers uh, to create and store the documents, and communicated with individuals using email outside of their work-issued email address. And, of course, the first thing that I saw and hit me like a brick was, whoa, ethics, timeout, ding, 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 there's a whole ethics issue here on using non-work-related computers and emails to work on a particular case. Whoa, wow, that's a major ethics issue. Now, okay, so there may not be anything truly, quote-unquote, ethically wrong with a per- using a personal computer. What really the person did was create a sec- situation that opened them up and opened their personal computers, their personal email addresses to being part of the matter. And of course... It skates dangerously close to inadvertently disclosing confidential and privileged information. So can you imagine if this paralegal had, say, for example, left their computer up and running, stepped outside, they were in their home office. I have a home office. Most of us do. And if you'd left client confidential protected information up on the screen and a family member came in or neighbor was over and just walked in and started reading what was up on the screen – well, my I'm, I don't know about you, but my heart stops when I think about this scenario. And I've taught to paralegal students many times, very similar type of ethics scenario about using private and, and personal computers and such to do work. And so my advice to those who use personal computers or use their personal cell phone or email addresses to do work, my recommendation, don't do it. Just save yourself the heartache and the headache of creating a situation that could expose you and more importantly, your firm and your supervising attorney to inadvertent disclosure of confidential work product. You know, that just, of course, an attorney's malpractice insurance, they hear about something like that, they're going to get all worked up over it. So just best scenario, if at all possible, don't use personal laptops, email addresses to do and, and utilize work uh, because there's no protection to, you know, making sure that your client's information is, remains confidential. This case also got me to thinking about paralegals being de- deposed or and giving a deposition in a matter in general. And just how often does it happen? Well, I don't know about you, but it's happened to me. Has it happened to you? Several years ago, I was working on a matter where we were defending a company in a personal injury matter, and I was working late one Friday afternoon and received a call from an individual who, you know, revealed himself to be an expert. And I was like, okay, well, who is this person? And this expert actually started to discuss details about this particular case. And through the, the first two minutes of the conversation, you know, I learned that he had been retained by plaintiff's counsel to be their expert. And yet he wanted to divulge information to me about their case. And I was like, whoa, of course, what do you think I did? I was like, nope, time out, hang on. I immediately shut the conversation down and said he couldn't be talking to me. And of course I relayed this information to my supervising attorney. And what do you think happened? Six months later, there I am in a conference room being deposed by plaintiff's counsel in that matter. Because I had happened to write down and record a memo, what happened, what transpired through that conversation. And because I wanted to ensure that, you know, if, if something to had would happen, which it did, I had evidence to demonstrate that I didn't breach any ethical rules, regulations out there. And so I memorialized it in a memo to the file, And that work product, that particular uh, memo became evidence. And of course, I used a work-issued computer to do that. And I used work-issued email to send it to my boss. But can you imagine if I decided to go home and use my personal computer to create that memo? My spouse read that and they had some connection to the case. Holy moly, you know, yikes. Now my personal laptop becomes evidence as well as my entire personal email address And that's not something that I would have wanted, of course, most definitely. And anyone that knows me knows that I'm a stickler for ethics. And my advice and the simplest piece of advice to you that I can give is when you're faced with an ethical dilemma like this and you ask yourself, okay, this scenario, does it violate or would it violate a known ethical rule? And if you can't answer that with an emphatic, no, it's not going to violate, well, then probably it does violate an ethical rule, or just in general, it's best to err on the side of caution and avoid this situation if you can. So let's take a break. We're going to come back, and when we do, uh, we're going to continue our show, talk a little bit about 2019, the future for next year, and so stay tuned. Don't turn that dial. NALA offers continuing education professional development and voluntary certification for all paralegals. The Certified Paralegal Credential has been awarded to more than 19,000 paralegals. The Certified Paralegal Program is also the first paralegal certification program accredited by the National Commission for Certifying Agencies. NALA works actively with all those in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. Learn more about NALA at www.nala.org. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today, visit www.servnow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. So what does 2019 look like for the legal industry and paralegals in general, you may ask? I'm not a Swami. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'll say number one on my list to pay attention to next year is limited license paralegals, um, those limited license technicians, and regulation as a whole. Now you've been if you've been listening to my show this or my shows this year, we've talked about the Triple LT program, and you know as you know Washington State has their Triple LT. Uh, Program up and running, and they've been generating new triple LTs for almost two years now, about a year and a half now. Well, if you've been paying attention to the news, you've noticed that Utah is about to start their program, and they call it Paralegal Practitioner. And this year, 2019, this coming year, they'll actually start generating their first batch of paralegal practitioners in the state of Utah. So, you know, where the state of Washington limited it to the area of law, of family law, Utah is starting with three areas right off the bat. They're starting with debt collection, family law, and forcible entry and detainer. If you've been reading and noticing, Oregon is also investigating a similar program, and California has a form of regulation for paralegals as well. So, you know, I live and I'm a resident in Nevada. And as a board member of the paralegal division of the State Bar in Nevada, this is something I'm, I am watching very closely because it appears that a lot of the West Coast states are starting to come what I call online with some kind of regulation that impacts the paralegal industry. may not impact directly, but there may be a new role, a new job, a new career out there that a paralegal type individual may uh, want to investigate. And um, I know I've spoken on it on past shows, but there's something, you know, definitely we can't ignore the term regulation. Um, I know, you know, some people call this an ugly word, regulation. Sometimes when I speak that word in social circles, in uh, paralegal associations and such, People either are all gung-ho about having a form of regulation or really don't want to have it. So if you're not in one of those camps, I don't want you to you know, go join a camp, but if you haven't taken the time to read up on what's happening in the way of regulation or follow along closely with like the Triple LT programs, Utah's Paralegal Practitioner, I highly recommend you do so now. Don't Hide your head in the sand and pretend, oh, it's gonna go away. I don't have to worry about it. I've only got 15 more years of my career left, or I've only got 10 more years of my career. I don't need to worry about it. Mm. Be informed. My advice to you: be informed. Be an active participant in your future, no matter what side of the fence you're on, even if you're not on a side of the fence, you're straddling the fence, or you're not even near that fence. You know, be an active participant you know, whether it's pro, anti or neutral, just don't be stagnant in learning what's going on in our industry. Ignorance is not bliss when it comes to something like this. So, you know, do you think, when you think of the limited license uh, technician programs that are out there, uh, a big reason why these are coming into play, it's because of the access to justice gap that has occurred in our country. And do you think, as a listener, do you think that licensed legal paraprofessionals will be able to narrow that access to justice gap that occurs uh, in the future? You know, again, I would love to hear your thoughts on something like that. So, you know, send me your comments, send me your thoughts, good or bad or otherwise, to law at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two, L-A-W at gmail.com. And uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. Me personally, I think it's one solution, but to me, it's not the absolute solution to closing that gap. More can be done. Of course, we've got an issue uh, where we don't have enough attorneys being generated through programs anymore. Law schools are having to become creative on uh, how they Offer programs and and costs to a student to become a lawyer. So there's that area, more lawyers doing more pro bono type of activities. There's a lot of different resources and sources out there to help close that gap. And I think these limited license individuals is one solution of many to help solve the true access to justice gap that is occurring in our country. Number two on my list for things to look out for in 2019, technology, 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 technology. (laughs) Really, this should be on everyone's list every year. Constantly, new technology is coming out there. Whether it impacts our particular profession or not, get out there and learn what new technologies are coming out and what are being utilized in our profession? You know, attorneys themselves have historically tended to be slower on the uptake when utilizing new technology. But, you know, as younger attorneys are coming into the fold, more and more are embracing the newest trends and technology and expecting their paraprofessionals, you know, be fully up-to-date on these trends, and have some experience. I wrote an article, that's been about mm, five years ago, about attorneys being afraid, technophobic, is what I called it, uh, having technophobia, a fear of technology. Well, in five short years, I'm seeing less and less of that. Fewer and fewer stories have I heard from paralegals and legal support professionals talk about how their attorneys... Aren't embracing technology well now they are and there's a lot of great systems and programs and and processes out there to help streamline because if you can help be more efficient in your workplace then the better you know legal services you can provide to your clients and you know of course e-discovery is a always a major area but e-discovery has been out there for many years now and it's not going away If you're one of the very few people left that has not even taken the time to learn anything about e-discovery, you better get on the bandwagon right now because you are being left behind big time. And if you think, eh, I work in family law and e-discovery really doesn't apply to me, well, think again. Because especially in high dollar, high exposure type cases, e-discovery can come to into play, and it does come into play. And even in your run-of-the-mill divorce type matter, you may find yourself having to secure an e-discovery vendor to maybe forensically examine a laptop or help you download all the data from browsing history and text message history from a cell phone. You, of course, are not going to do it yourself. You're going to have to have a vendor help you do this. Well, they're going to be talking to you in terms of metadata and this that and the other and know the term just having an understanding of the terminology the knowledge of the terminology will help you be able to better support your clients you know attend CLEs join an association learn from your peers you know stay abreast what's going on when it comes to technology i myself i don't want to be replaced by artificial intelligence anytime soon so I'm keeping up to speed with technology, and I challenge you to do the same with me. And finally, number three on my list, of course, is education and certification. Of course, with the first two that we talked about technology and the the newest areas, Triple LT, education and certification will always be a huge part of our industry. You know, with the advent of the Triple LT programs up and running, more paralegal and limited license specific education programs are being created in those respective states, Washington, Utah, to ensure that paralegals that reside there are being fully educated and trained in that particular career. But what about states that don't have a limited license program in place? Well, don't be fooled. Paralegal educators are paying close attention to this area, even in states that don't have it. And they're already looking at, you know, how a typical paralegal program, just your run of the mill paralegal program can evolve and change with the industry. They got to stay on top of what's happening. They can't be left behind because when paralegal education gets left behind, then, of course, we as a career start to fail big time. And so they're looking at how they can grow. And more programs are starting to fine-tune their classes to be more what I call hands-on and practical in training, not just the book smarts. Actually having modules and, and sessions that are dedicated to drafting motions, being able to do you know advanced legal research, things that you're going to encounter as a paralegal in the workplace – Even learning the soft skills, communication, written communication, things of that nature, those programs are being fine-tuned. You know, employers want those individuals who have completed a paralegal program to work in their firms and offices that have a good, solid basis. And of course, these limited license programs that are being created and investigated, these state Boards and state Supreme Courts are looking to these national paralegal certifications like the CP through NALA, the PP through NALS, or the RP through NFPA as the standard to grandfather in paralegals or base their state exams off of in creating these limited license examinations for a state. So, you know, when it comes to certification, while it's not required for... A paralegal to be certified to be able to work. More and more employers are looking at those individuals who have taken a certification exam as it truly demonstrates to the employer that this employee or potential employee has gone above and beyond what's required of them to be able to work in our industry. So, like I said, while I don't have a crystal ball and I can't foretell the future. I do recognize that in 2019, that education, certification, technology, and the future paraprofessional careers like the LT or the Paralegal Practitioner, these are going to be major topics for the year, and many great things are on our horizon and looking forward to it. So I want you to embrace your career, be an active participant in it, in our career, and in your future. You know, the success of our career rests on you, the individual paralegal. Each one of us have a stake in our career. And so, as the wise Mr. Spock said in Star Trek II, The Raffa Khan, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. So that's all the time we have for today's show. Thank you, the listener and my guests, for making 2018 the best year ever and making the show the ABA journal. Best Law Podcast for 2018. I also want to say that this is the 100th episode of The Paralegal Voice, and I want to shout, give a shout out to Lawrence and Adam and Kate and everybody at Legal Talk Network for all your help on making this a successful show and making me, of course, sound so good because I stumble all over the place. So thank you guys to uh, making it a great show and a great year and I appreciate everything and I couldn't have done it without you so tune into next month's show and our next year podcast in January and when my guest is going to be discussing with me recruitment strategies for paralegals and legal support professionals so stay tuned after the break and we'll get to what as my favorite part of the show the listener's voice we'll be right back Firm Central cloud-based legal practice management software for solo and small law firms provides a single online location for all of the tools you need to manage client files and perform client work and offers unrivaled integration with Westlaw. With Firm Central, you can securely store and organize documents and case files, manage time tracking and billables, and collaborate with clients through a secure client portal from anywhere there is an internet connection. This episode of The Paralegal Voice is brought to you by CourtFiling.net, your solution for electronic filing in California, Illinois, Indiana, and Texas. CourtFiling.net provides a better e-filing experience so you can spend more time helping clients. Because they know that work sometimes happens after hours, CourtFiling.net offers 24-7 phone, email, and chat support. Visit CourtFiling.net to receive 30 days of unlimited free electronic filings, And see how you, too, can e-file court documents with ease. Welcome back. We come to the segment of the show called The Listener's Voice. As you know, this is my favorite part. This is an opportunity for you as a listener to send me an email with any of your questions, your career celebrations, etc. I'll read through them, and I'll select those to actually read on the air If there's a particular topic, you have a question that you'd like for me to answer, or maybe there was a prior guest, you had a question for them, be sure and send me an email and make your voice, the listener's voice, known and heard. Send your email to me at devotedtolaw at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-T-E-D, the number two, L-A-W at gmail.com. Today's question comes from a listener who writes to me about support and getting support from their employer. Dear Carl, I have recently started listening and have enjoyed your podcasts. I have a question for you as an experienced paralegal. How do you work or deal with an employer who is not supportive of you pursuing your education as a paralegal? I'm starting a paralegal program in January of 2019. My target graduation date is May 2020. My professional background is in hospitality since I was 16. Over three years ago, I was offered a legal assistant position with an attorney from the state I used to live in. I loved it enough that I was looking at law school. Thank you for taking the time to answer my questions. Merry Christmas, signed, Support System in Need. Well, Support System in Need, number one, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and yours and the best in 2019. I wish you all the luck in your paralegal program. So first, I kind of have to ask you a question. What's your definition of support? so if you're if you're asking you know, is your employer not being supportive in the way of monetary? Is it a monetary support? Are you asking them to help fund your paralegal education? you know are are you asking for tuition? you know, are you asking for as simple as maybe some books, you know, costs on being able to purchase books, you know? Talk to them, demonstrate to them that it's important to have a good, solid, basic paralegal education. While you can have on the job training, uh, which is vitally important, trust me, it's also important to have a good, solid education because that's how you learn a lot in the way of legal research, the ins and outs of legal research, you know, being able to formulate complaints, how to respond to a complaint, uh, discovery, you learn the ins and outs of the entire legal industry. Well, I always tell paralegal students, you know, the attorneys are the masters or the doctors of the law, and we're the masters of the procedure. While we have to understand law itself, we don't get into the theory as much as attorneys do. So we have to understand the, the, the process and processes and being able to navigate the legal system. And that's vitally important. So demonstrate if it's a monetary, you know, reason or monetary support that you're asking for from your employer, well, then let them know, hey, if you can at least maybe help me purchase purchase one book, you know, of course, financial aid, student loans, things, things of that nature, you try not to as much as possible. But if you are dedicated to it, you'll find the ways to get the money to help uh, support going to school. That's how I did it. And so demonstrate to them the importance of having a paralegal education. Is it emotional support? I know that sounds kind of weird to say emotional support, but are they just kind of flippant when you address the reason why you're wanting to get your paralegal degree? Well, if you're seeking emotional support from your employer, I would say avoid that. While you want to have camaraderie in your workplace and you want to be devoted and dedicated to your employer, sometimes when you start getting a little too personal and if you're seeking emotional support for going into a paralegal program, I want you to be proud of me. I want you to don't do it for your employer, do it for yourself. And so I would say if it's emotional support, just avoid that at all. Um, if they're just not supportive of you of going, they're like, and eh, whatever, I don't really care to talk about it with you. Okay. Okay. That's fine. I won't address it with you. We'll move on. Is it physical support? And by that, I mean, are you asking your employer, listen, there's a class that I want that I have to take as part of the program, but it's only offered during the day from, you know, noon to two or two to four or whatever the time is. Are you asking them to give you support in the way of allowing you to have the time off on Mondays and Thursdays to go take that class from two to four? Again, go back to them, demonstrate to the employer that the reason of doing this. I worked at a firm, and I was finishing up, actually, my bachelor's. And I had one class left, <laughs> and it was only offered during the day. It was never going to be offered at night. And I approached the managing committee, it was a committee of three, and the office administrator and said, and to my supervising attorney, and said, I have to take this class. This is the you know, one class I have to have in order to graduate with my bachelor's, it's only for 16 weeks. It's only on a Tuesday. It was from 9 to 10 a.m. or 9 to 10.30 or something like that. And I was like, can I come in on that day at noon, I think it was, and work till 7, 8 o'clock at night to still get my hours in for the day? And they they graciously, I have to say, allowed me to do that. But they knew that I was a hard worker, I worked a lot of weekends, I worked a lot of nights, I did a lot for the firm, and they recognized, you know, for 16 weeks, it's one day a week, it's short term, sure, no problem. So if it's an emotional, I mean, excuse me, a physical support, well then see if they will allow you and demonstrate, hey, I'm just not asking off for that time, I'll make it up, you know, on a weekend, on a Saturday, or after, however they will allow you to do it to Demonstrate that you're still going to get your minimum 40-hour work week in. You know, it's hard. Some employers, some attorneys are supportive. And, you know, I, I have met and known paralegals that their employer paid for their entire education, paid for all their books, paid for them to take certification exams. And then conversely, I've heard of attorneys that care two iotas or employers care two iotas about giving support, physical, emotional, or monetary or otherwise. And, you know, those people that don't get the support from the employer in that way, they learn. You figure out a way to do it. If it's truly what you want to do, you truly want to have your education, which I say go for it 110%, then you'll find ways to get the support that you need in order to succeed in school. Thank you so much, Support System of Need. I hope that answered your question. Listeners, definitely send me your questions. Keep them coming. And that's all the time we have for today for The Paralegal Voice. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to me at devotedtolaw at gmail.com. Stay tuned for more information and upcoming hot podcasts for exciting paralegal trends, news, and engaging and fun interviews from leading paralegals and other leading legal professionals.